Pastor Xavier Reese and one of God's greatest works. Every time you see someone get saved, that is a miracle that defies all natural laws. The natural law is for you and me to rebel. The natural laws that say, stick it in your ear, God. We don't care to be brash, to be rebellious, to be blasphemous. That's the natural response. And when we respond differently, it is a miracle that has taken place in that person's life. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. From miracle cleansers to diets that promise miraculous results, people will buy just about anything that makes such claims. But today, Pastor Xavier talks about one of the greatest miracles ever, and it's free. Here he is with today's study. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. And the message entitled, The Benevolence of God. Paul has spoken well of God the Father and praised Him for all that He has done in Christ Jesus from verse 3 down to 10. Now, Paul is not done praising God. He has three more things he wants to praise God the Father for in verses 11 through 14. Let me read that text for us. He says, In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined, according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard of the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Now, Paul has three more things to praise God for. First of all, in verse 11, Paul praises God the Father for the inheritance of the believer in the presence. In the present. Secondly, verse 12, down to the middle of 13, Paul praises God the Father for the inheritance of the believer without exclusion. And then thirdly, verse 13, the rest of it, to 14, Paul praises God the Father for the assurance of our inheritance in the future. Now remember, the Father, the Son have been identified in salvation. Verse 6 and 12, now we're going to get the Holy Spirit. All three persons of the Godhead are involved in salvation. Paul praises God the Father for the inheritance of the believer in the present. If you are going to receive a lot or portion of someone's possessions, your name must be registered in the last will and testament, and so in Christ. Your name must be written in the book of life. And if your name is not there, you will receive absolutely nothing. Rather than inheritance, you receive judgment. Listen to Hebrews 9.15. And for this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgression under the first covenant that those who are called may receive a promise of an eternal inheritance. Now notice secondly, Paul praises God the Father for the inheritance of the believer without exclusion. This is good. Verse 12 on down to the middle or a little further on verse 13. The priority of God regarding the lot or portion allotted was first to the Jew. Not mark that first. The reference to we speaks of the Jew. Genesis 12, 3 says, Through you, Abraham, I will bless all the families of the earth. Isaiah 7, 14, the virgin shall bear a son. Micah 5, 2, out of Bethlehem. It was to the Jew. So God took all that time, that preparation in the Old Testament to teach them, to school them, in order when the test came to identify the Messiah, 
They would say, Messiah. But instead, the rejection came. Notice secondly, the pattern of God regarding the lot or portion allotted to the Gentile was by the same mode. He says, the manner of the Gentile was the same as the Jews, for Paul says, in him you also trusted. In him points to Christ. We, Jew, you, Gentile. But the word also trusted unifies you and Gentile. You also trust in the same Christ. The purpose of Paul in the letter is to what? To make very clear communication that there's no longer Jew or Gentile, but they're one in Christ Jesus. No distinction. Now, the mode was the same, but look at, secondly, the method was also the same. As Paul declares, after you heard. The method is the same. The word heard is the word akua. It means to be endowed with the faculty of hearing as opposed to being deaf. The idea is to attend, to consider what is being said, understand it, perceive it, and be able to respond to it. The scriptures tell us that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, right? Romans 10, 17. So if you want to be a man and woman of faith, you have to be in the word of God. The Gentiles came to be heirs and sons of God by hearing the logos. That's the word. The article specifies the content of truth, not just any word, but a very specific content, a very specific word, that of salvation. The Pharisees sent out to Jesus, their disciples and the Herodians, and they said this, and they sent out unto him, his disciples, or their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth. Neither care for any man, for you regard not the person of man. 20, Matthew twenty two sixteen. The word true is the same one. So whatever Jesus spoke on whatever level, on whatever subject, you could be guaranteed there was absolute truth. Whether it was scientific, whether it was historical, whether it was spiritual, whatever it was, it's absolute truth. What is true in things pertaining to God and the duties of man, moral and religious truth? He told Nicodemus, are you the religious teacher of the Jews and you don't know this? <laughs> you must be born again. Whoa, absolute truth. You'll never see the kingdom of God. Very important. Notice the content of truth is identified as the gospel of their salvation in verse 13, the latter portion. God has chosen the announcement of the gospel to come through what? Man, not angels. That's the, the incredible thing. He has chosen man to be the proclaimer, the vessel. God has chosen to call men as a herald to proclaim the gospel of salvation. The message is not man's. It's given to him. The authority is not man's, it's vested to him. The responsibility of man is only to proclaim it. His responsibility is not for the response of the hearer. It stops in the proclamation. For that reason, Paul the Apostle tells the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 21, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring forth uh, to nothing the, for, the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. 
It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. By the foolishness of preaching, God chose to proclaim his good news. Not by the preaching of foolishness, by the preaching of the gospel, which is foolishness to the non-believer. There's a distinction. By the foolishness of preaching, not by the preaching of foolishness. The gospel is not foolishness. It's the power of God unto salvation. Now notice, fourthly, the miracle was that they believed. That is a miracle. Every time you see someone get saved, that is a miracle that defies all natural laws. The natural law is for you and me to rebel. The natural law is to say, stick it in your ear, God. We don't care. To be brash, to be rebellious, to be blasphemous. That's the natural response. And when we respond differently, it is a miracle that has taken place in that person's life. The gospel must be received as the word of God, not the word of man. Do you receive it like that? 1 Thessalonians 2.13, Paul says, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, when you heard it from us, you welcomed it not as the word of man, but as it is in truth. The word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. The word of God will work effectively of you if you believe it is the word of God. If you don't, it won't work. I've told you often, grace works to change you, but there's a key. You have to die. If you don't die, transformation can't take place. Impossible. That's why we have to reckon the old man daily. You got to crucify him daily. You got to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow him. If you don't deny yourself and crucify that old man every day, he'll eat you up. You never stand a chance. And so Paul praises God the Father for the inheritance of the believer without exclusion. How magnanimous of God. No distinction between Jew, Gentile, Scythian, Barbarian, male, female, bond, free, all in Christ. Well, notice thirdly, Paul praises God the Father for the assurance of our future inheritance. The latter portion of verse 13 and 14. Notice first, Paul declares that having believed, they were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. This is important. The connection is, don't miss it, here it is again, in whom the Lord Jesus, even as he promised the night before he was betrayed by Judas, the coming of the Holy Spirit in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, 15, and 16. Those three chapters are the most concentrated chapters in all the New Testament about the doctrines and the teaching of the person of the Holy Spirit to come. He is said to be the Holy Spirit who would be one just like Jesus. He would not speak of himself. He would not glorify himself. He would be the comforter just like Christ. He would bring all things to their mind and teach them all things Jesus had taught them. Jesus said, if I don't leave, he can't come. It's absolutely necessary, expedient that I leave. And by the way, when he comes, he'll abide in you, and then I'll be there, and so will my Father. Now, notice the instant any person has trusted Christ as a Lord and Savior, they are given the Holy Spirit as a mark of genuineness. The tense here is in the eras, one act of sealing. One act of sealing. Paul tells the Romans, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Romans 8, 9. If you do not have the Spirit of God, you don't belong to God. If you are a child of God, then you have the Holy Spirit in you. The minute you believe... You cannot be a child of God without the Holy Spirit. There's no such thing. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God, Romans 8, 16 says. Now, for me to bear witness of God, say, I know God. 
No big deal. But for God to tell me, I know you, that is an incredible deal. How do I know that he said that to me? By convicting me, by guiding me, by chastening me. I know I belong to him. Then my declaration that I know God is validated by his witness in me. My declaration does not validate that he witnesses about me, but the reverse. His witness makes my declaration valid. Very important. Notice the sealing was a common practice of the day as a mark of ownership. The expression seal means to set a mark. Every time you go buy something, you set your seal. Xavier Reese, you sign. That's your seal. To authenticate your ownership of your own person. The expression, again, a practice of the day to seal one's cargo. As they put it on a ship and it was sent off in the journey so it could be identified while on the journey, but most important, to be identified and recognized once it got to the destinated port. And you went down to the dock and say, well, there's my seal, there's mine, that's mine, that's mine. And we do that when we go traveling, right? We have our suitcase, we put our name tag, right? And we do all these little things to identify ownership. Paul says to the believer, listen to him, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Oh, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, that he resides in you as well as in me. You see, sealing was also a mark of protection. Genuineness, ownership, protection. Paul will tell the Ephesians later on in chapter 4, verse 30, that we are not to grieve the Holy Spirit whom we are sealed to their redemption. That means to not bring pain to the Holy Spirit. This epistle speaks over and over again. I've given you the number of times the, the Spirit is mentioned. It's a letter of life in the Spirit. He says, don't grieve it. Don't bring pain to it. How can I bring pain to it? By saying no, by not yielding. Who's the only one that can do that? One who has the Spirit. One who's trusted. One who's believed. One who has been sealed. You ladies go out and you're going to buy some personal underclothes and stuff like that. And you go to a package that's been opened, you back off. You don't try those on. Why? It's been broken. The seal's been broken, right? You don't mess with something somebody's tried on. Don't break the seal. You've been sealed. Leave it alone. Notice secondly. Paul declares that having believed the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. The Holy Spirit is the portion allotted to the believer during this life as a down payment and foretaste of the eternal state to come with Jesus. As a down payment and foretaste. The word guarantee, Erebon, means part of the purchase price, a pledge, modern day down payment. Much like earnest money that you put down in good faith towards a car or a house, whatever it is. And that's in good faith. You're going to come back and pay the remainder. Same thing. See, the Holy Spirit was called the Spirit of Promise in the previous verse, right? Verse 13. The promise is the finishing that which he begun. Philippians 1, 6 says, being confident of the very same thing, that he who has begun a good work in you shall perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. What did Paul the Apostle tell the Galatians? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now going to be made perfect in what? The flesh? No. 
What begins in the Spirit must go through the process of the Spirit and must end up in the product of the Spirit. It's Spirit all the way. He says to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians one twenty-two, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a Arabon, guarantee, down payment. Oh, I like that. Now, he was promised by Jesus after his glorification. You remember the last day of the feast, the great feast of tabernacles in John 7, 37 through 39? They brought water every day to the court there at the temple, poured it out to declare God's provisions of water. But then the eighth day they wouldn't to declare they didn't need no more water. It was in that day that Jesus stood to his feet and he says, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me. For out of his innermost being shall gush torrents of living water. He yelled it out. They must have thought he was crazy. And John gives us an added commentary. He says, This he spoke of the Holy Spirit, which was not given to the churches as yet, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Whoa. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is the portion of the inheritance allotted to the believer during this life until the wedding of Jesus with his bride, the church. See, the word guarantee, Erebon, here is not only used for a down payment, but it's also used for an engagement ring. I think both of them are intended. He's not only put a down payment on me, he's given me an engagement ring. Paul tells the Corinthians that he has engaged every believer to himself. In 2 Corinthians 11, 2, he says, Do you not know that I've engaged you as a chaste virgin to Christ? The portion of our inheritance now is the Holy Spirit as a down payment, the engagement ring by our groom, Christ Jesus, until what? Look at the redemption of the purchased possession, and he cannot lie. That's what makes it so good. The redemption of the purchased possession looks back to the ransom payment of his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Same word, redemption. Here it is, apolutrosis, to set apart and to loosen. The redemption of the purchased possession is also our final transfer to heaven. That's good. Now, you've traveled before. You bought a package for a vacation. You got a, the flight. You got transfers from there to the airport, from the airport back, right? Those transfers are great. You don't have to call a cab. You just pack up. They come to the hotel, stick the bags in. They take you right to the airport. Now, if you miss your transfer, that's a bummer. Because you don't know the place. You've got to find the stinking airport, everything else. And transfers are great. Listen, don't miss a transfer to heaven. Don't settle for just a down payment down here. All right? Listen to Paul, Romans 8, 20 through 23. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also uh, will be delivered from the bondage of corruption and the glorious liberty of the children of God. So this whole world's going to be redone when we're redeemed also. There's not only a redemption of you and I, this whole world's going to get turned around after the millennial kingdom. And the millennial kingdom is going to be redone. He says, for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with pain together until now. Every time we go across the free, we see those plants. <coughs> they're coughing. They're groaning. They're waiting for the Lord to come back. <laughs> Smog. Not only that, that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit. Ooh, first fruits of the Spirit. Let's change that. We have the Arabon. We have the down payment. We have the engagement ring. The first fruit was the, was the best portion of the first to show God your faith in him. You gave him the first fruit as a promise and guarantee of what he would give you afterwards. It's the same thing here, a different word. Not that, that but we also have the first for the spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Oh, I can't wait for that day. Listen, I'm not looking for this funky body ever again. 
It was great when I was younger, but you know what? It starts changing. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is the agent of salvation, which is a process. Understand that. It is a process. And yet all three persons are involved, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In verse 7, it says, we have been redeemed. In 2 Peter 1, 3, 4, it says, we are being redeemed. In Ephesians 1, 14 here, it says, we shall be redeemed. It's a process, people. It's a process of the Spirit. Okay, you're under construction. Be patient. Hang in there. Notice the end of our redemption will be to the praise of the glory due to the fact that what? Let me give you some reasons. The plan of God the Father will be complete. The adoption of sons and daughters will be present. The inheritance of the believer will be completely received. The entire glory will be to God, not man. That's good. All three are involved. Verse 6, the Father. Verse 12, the Son. Verse 14, the Holy Spirit. I love it. Do you remember how excited you were when you put your first down payment on your, on your first new car? Now, back in the Stone Age when I grew up, um, you usually have to wait a day or two to get the credit approved. Today, you walk in, 10 minutes, you walk out with the car. And, um, and, and when you have to wait, you know, you put that down payment, you can't wait, you can't sleep down. And you go and you get it, and you put the rest of the money down, and it's yours. Now, this is a down payment, man. The Holy Spirit, all the wealth that you have, your inheritance right now, it's just, it's just a shadow of what's going to follow. Are you excited about it? Or are you just, yeah, I'm going to have you. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so I know. Hey, the Lord's coming. Oh, really? Yeah, I know. What's your problem, man? The consistent witness of God's Spirit in my life bears witness to God's down payment and engagement ring to me. That is why I am to be filled continuously with the Spirit of God in Ephesians 5.18. How do I know? What's the evidence? Conviction, transformation, strength, wisdom, the outpouring of God's love in my heart, shed abroad by the Holy Spirit, Romans 5.5. That's how I know I'm His. I know the down payment has been placed. Since I am God's bride, I must keep myself pure for the groom, that he may present to himself a bride without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing, presented blameless in Ephesians 5.27. He will give me the ability. I will yield my will. He will provide the goods. I will receive the benefit. If God has engaged you and myself to himself, I know he won't back down. He cannot break his word because Numbers 23, 19 says he's not a man that he shall lie. Has he said it? Will he not perform it? Of course he will. Listen to Isaiah. He foresaw the church. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. Isaiah 43, 21. He's talking about the church. God chose you. Is that incredible? <laughs> Remember that our inheritance is reserved where? In heaven. And it fades not away. First Peter 1, 4 through 5. And by the way, our inheritance is what? Twofold. Present and future. Present, verse 7 through 10. Future, verse 14. There it is. Paul praises God, the Father, for the assurance of our future inheritance. Hmm. These are three more things and the last three things that Paul praises God the Father for in this one continuous sentence from verse 3 to 14. Paul praised God the Father for the inheritance of the believer in the present. Paul praised God the Father for the believer's inheritance without exclusion. And then Paul praised God the Father for the assurance of the believer's inheritance in the future. Man, 
one long sentence. Packed, loaded, concentrated, kind of like gold bars, you know? You look at something that size and you figure it's not that heavy. You go over there and go, mm -mm. That's, that's Word of God. This thing is concentrated. This is just loaded. It's valuable. Spend time mining God's gold. It'll do wonders for you. It's part of your inheritance. Pastor Xavier Reese and the treasures that's available to those who put their trust in God. And this wraps up the study, The Benevolence of God. And you can request a copy on CD for only $4. And this also includes what Pastor Xavier taught the last time we were together. So once again, the title to ask for is The Benevolence of God, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This helps us monitor the impact of this ministry in your area. On our own, what do we have to offer God? That's our topic on the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Don't miss it. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 